0: Hello boys and girls, thank you for tuning in to the Big Hawk podcast, we really appreciate it. How many
1: girls do you think listen to this?
0: Uh, I bet it is 4%. Hmm, I'm Hmm, thinking maybe 7%. You think it's that many? I'm just guessing. How many do you think are willing participants... How many do you think... Oh, there's
1: a lot of women that listen to this because their husbands listen to it.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
1: If you are a lady and you listen to this because your husband makes you listen to this, send us a note and let us know.
0: God bless you. Yeah.
1: We'll send you an autographed t-shirt from Andy Shaver. Yeah. There you go. So if your husband makes you listen to this every time and you listen to every episode with him, send us a note. We'll draw one of them and Andy will autograph his shirt from Andy. So anyways... You're
0: welcome. And then you can have a shirt that you can't wear anywhere because it's got ink marks on it.
1: All right, let's talk about our sponsors. Our sponsors. first sponsor is Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Without Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, there wouldn't be a Big Honker podcast. No. Two fat boys from Wichita Falls started this business in the early 90s. I've grown it into the dynasty that it is today.
0: This is my empire, Lamont.
1: Yes, it is. Call me Fred G. (laughs) Anyways, we can take care of you for any of your hunting needs. Call Stanfield Hunting, or look up stanfieldhunting.com. Or call the Big Honker Lodge at 940-658-3172 and ask for Jeff.
0: As the fellow that answers all of these calls, which would you prefer, a phone call or an email?
1: It doesn't matter to me.
0: Well, I, you got to prefer one. you got to pick one. Somebody's yeah. got a gun to your head that says pick an email or a fucking phone call. I what would you, rather you talk to someone because really? it's
1: more precise, yes. But it, it's, more, it's more emails nowadays. I like talking to people and you get a feel of what's going on. I just do.
0: Sure. So- Call him, nine four zero six five eight three one seven two. Yep. It's what he prefers.
1: Yep. Let's talk about our other sponsors now.
0: We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Time to get skinny, folks. They've got a
1: giveaway right now they're giving away.
0: 2020. Time to get skinny. They're doing a uh,
1: drawing to go to Alaska. Ooh. And they're doing, you got to buy 10 dozen decoys, I believe. And they also have a video that they're doing.
0: I saw that. I saw that briefly on their uh, clothes group.
1: So look up divebombindustries.com.
0: It is not too, uh, it's not too early to get started building that spread. Go to you need If you're going to run skinnies, you need a lot of them. You've got to have numbers on your side. If you're not going to have realism, you've got to have numbers. And the only way to get numbers on your side is to go what, to DiveBombIndustries.com and order you some.
1: And let's talk about our other sponsor that makes the turkey calls that you dealt with. That
0: Pacific you got today. Calls. It's turkey season. Pacific Calls, not only do they make amazing waterfowl calls, but they got, they're, they're, in the, they're in the turkey game. They're balls deep in the turkey game. They got slates. They got mouth calls. They got it all. Go to PacificCustomCalls.com. And
1: tell them the boys from the Big Hawker podcast did you.
0: Because guess what? There's still, a, there's still a promo code going on. Use the promo code BHP25. You save yourself 25% at checkout. You save money. Corona times, time to save some money. You you can tell you, You're getting a stimulus check here pretty soon. Go to Pacific Calls, use the promo code BHP25, spend it all there. Get you a turkey call. It's turkey season. Get out there. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. I think they're out of Boss Tom. I think they're out of Boss Tom. I saw Tom. Boss Tom 410 they're out of 410 today. they're out of. So you cannot, they got, a, they got an amazing challenge going on. You call up this long beard, you shoot it in the face with the 410, you post a picture, and you can win some amazing Boss merchandise. You waited too long. You waited too long. You should have ordered this back in February and March when they first announced it. But you can still get Boss Tom. It is lethal. It is lethal. I'm telling you. It hurts them at a distance. But you shouldn't be shooting them at a distance because every tech hunter knows you want them in your grill. You want to be in their environment. Go to BossShotShells.com or look them up on Instagram. I love their Instagram page. Mr. Lee Chose runs it. Awesome. Boss Shot Shells on Instagram. Start stocking up for uh, this upcoming waterfowl season because it's going to be here before you know it. We're going to get through a couple hot days in the summer, and then it's going to be waterfowl season. And you need shotgun shells. BossShotShells.com oh. let's, talk about them,
1: let's talk about them A-frames and them dog kennels over at Lucky Duck.
0: We're brought to you by Lucky Duck. LuckyDuck.com Great kennel. The best the best waterfowl blind on the market. Yes. Hands down. Not even close. It's roomy. It's affordable. It's comfortable. It's the only way to go. The Lucky Duck 2 by 4 Or if you need spinners, Lucky Duck's the way to go. They got the remotes. So when the geese are coming in, you can turn them off. The ducks start flying, you can turn them back on. You Easy get it all. Pie. You
1: got dog boxes, blinds, varmint,
0: turkey. LuckyDuck.com. Lucky They're one stop shop. They got everything. You don't have to look very far. We're also brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. Mr. Logan Pyatt is the one doing our giveaway. Yes, he is. We're doing a five-person, three-morning goose hunt here at the Big Honker Lodge. With lodging and meals. With lodging and meals all given to you by the great guys over at the Looking Glass Duck Club. We are going to draw a winner for that on April 20th, so make sure that you get entered. Here are the rules. The rules are as followed. Logan has a post on his Instagram on the Looking Glass Duck Club. It's on Instagram. You tag four buddies in the comment section. Then you share that post to your story, and you tag the Looking Glass Duck Club. There's two steps, but there's three. You go to iTunes and you leave us a review. That's it. Easy as pie. Three steps, three entries for your chance to win on April 20th. Good luck. That's all I can say because a lot of people have entered. Last but not least, William and Chris Wines. Texas Wine. Texas Wine. They're in the shutdown right now. It's been a lot of fun watching their stuff. Yeah, they do a good job. They do virtual uh wine tasting classes. You can go to you can follow them on Instagram. William Chris Wine Vineyards, I believe is what it is on on Facebook. It's on Facebook. It's a lot of fun to watch. They're doing virtual wine tasting, wine taste testing. I like watching it, but they got great wine. If you're at uh, HEB, Whole Foods, Central, no, I fucked that up again. I fucked that up every time. No, it's Whole Foods and Central Markets. Yes. I had it right. I was wondering what you were getting all worked up. Skeleton about. Key. Open up a nice bottle of Skeleton Key whenever you're cooking that red meat on the grill to a perfect medium rare, medium at most. If you fuck it up, medium well, I'm sorry about you're you. You're
1: ruining this commercial by talking about medium well.
0: I'm telling you. You'll ruin steak too. Red
1: meat, red wine, Skeleton Key by William and Chris.
0: The only way to go. William com Dot com. Okay, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by storm chaser, Eric Burns.
1: Tornadic expeditions.
0: He's got balls the size of fucking uh, basketballs. He gets close to these tornadoes. He's taking people on tornado hunting adventures. I'm not into it. Jeff's really into it. Says it's a rush. People are into this thing. It's an adrenaline rush. They're adrenaline junkies just popping off interesting podcast it's really fun to talk to somebody that gets on a lot of tornadoes unlike jeff here
1: (laughs) he's he's the master i'm the i'm the student
0: so uh we dive into that world it's a lot of fun and we appreciate him coming on here he is eric burns Here we go. Three, two,
1: one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield.
0: I'm Andy Shaver.
1: On the phone with us today, we have Eric Burns, owner of Tornado Expeditions Tornado Chasing Company. Eric, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Before we start this, I'm going to let people know, Eric is a brilliant forecaster. He has called, we've had two tornadoes in our area this year. Where? At Throckmorton the other day? Were you not on the Throckmorton tornado? Uh,
2: I was on the Throckmorton tornado. Yeah, uh, earlier the, uh, back in March, I was. That was, the first, that
1: was the first tornado we had. Yesterday, we had some tornado worn storms, and you forecasted what time and they would be in that area. So I'm calling you expert on that. So <laughs> I kept telling Michelle because I was looking at the forecast, and I kept saying, "I mean, we're going to go chase Saturday." She goes, "Don't even say nothing about bad weather." I said, "Eric told me that Saturday is going to be a good afternoon. It can be hit or miss, but we had a chance for tornadoes." So. And every time he says that, he's right. So Usually, sometimes a blind, a blind squirrel can
2: find an acorn, you know?
1: <laughs> well, you do a damn good job of forecasting. How, tell, tell us. Well, thank you. you. You're a duck guide, and that's how I met yes, you. You guide duck hunts, and then you chase tornadoes. Tell us about your tornado chasing company. I'm uh, see here.
2: So, my storm chasing, I've been storm chasing for about 17 years now. I uh, started my... Storm chasing tour company. I uh, founded it in 2014 and started getting the ball rolling on it in 2015, and um, started I uh, started doing day tour type trips. Then, where people just I would just call them up on the phone and say, "Hey, we're going to chase tomorrow. Join me this year." They'd pay a small fee and then join us for uh, join us for the day. And then I, I ventured out into the vacation style tours where I do six, seven, or ten day long tours during the peak of severe weather season, which is the middle middle of April to mid July. And um, I get guests from all over the world, uh, from Europe, UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, so it's all over. People will will pick one of my eight tour periods, and we uh, will meet either Oklahoma City, Denver, Colorado, or Rapid City, South Dakota, depending on what time of year it is, and uh, or pro- time of the storm season it is. Earlier tours are in Oklahoma City, mid tours are in uh, Denver, and the latest tours are in the Northern Plains in Rapid City, South Dakota. And uh, people will book the tour period they like. meet just in those locations, and we chase for the six, seven, or ten days, and uh, that's their vacation. I take them out and, and show them what they've always dreamed of. I, uh, our slogan is Chase Your Dreams. So that's what, literally what we're doing when we're out there.
0: So what happens if there's no weather in six to ten days? You know, it's very rare. But
2: I've, only, I've only had one tour where it was really, uh, it was really a, uh, I would say like a dud, and we only chased one day out of seven days. Um, and the, the events where we don't have anything to chase, most tours are going to have like a day or two. Where there's nothing to chase, it's just part of it. We either use those, we either use those as travel days, or um, we go sightseeing. We've done everything from the from um, Rocky Mountain National Park to Mount Rushmore, the Badlands, uh, close to here, the Wichita uh, Mountain Wildlife Refuge there in Southwest Oklahoma, the Twister Museum. So when there's no forms of chase, I keep we keep everybody very busy and make sure they're having fun. And for a lot of the guests that are from overseas, they enjoy that experience because. A lot of times when folks come from overseas on vacation here they're usually going to like new york city las vegas la you know miami they're going to the, the big tourist destination areas they're going to the big cities they really don't get to see rural america they don't see they don't see Knox city when they're on a regular vacation but when they come on a storm fishing tour um we're going to experience small town americana and i incorporate that culture into our tours and people really love it because they're seeing the side of america they normally wouldn't get to see so they're getting a kind of a two-for-one on the tour
1: well, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when we had a real slow chase season, I felt really sorry for you because I, we go chase. I, I chase all the time just locally, and I'll go to Kansas and stuff for a day, but I surround myself with guys I like to be around. So if we, don't, if we yeah. don't have a tornado, it's not you know it's no big deal. I'm not stuck in a vehicle with people I don't really know that well or don't really enjoy, and that would be a long week when, when you're not hitting on nothing. So I feel for you. It's kind of like going on a goose hunt and not seeing a goose at all. That would be a tough game.
2: Mm. We've had a couple of rough waterfowl seasons the last couple of years, haven't we? <laughs> we? We
1: we have, but not near like having to take old people to a baseball game or something. I've seen you do before. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, a bad deal. So tell us about the biggest tornado t- Tell me about the biggest tornado you've gotten on. Oh, uh,
2: the most violent tornado or the largest tornado as far as size? Let's do both.
0: <laughs> Give me size let's first. Do both. I'm, a, I'm a girthy guy, so let's go with size first. I <laughs> know.
2: <Yeah. laughs> The largest tornado I've ever seen was uh, 1.6 miles wide, it was in Cordova, Cordova, Nebraska. Uh, that was a damage survey by the National Weather Service there. Uh, yeah, so that was that was 1.6 miles wide, Cordova, Nebraska. If you actually go on, um, if you go on YouTube, it was not during a tour. This was just a personal, personal chase with a friend. Uh, if you go on YouTube and type in Eric Burns, Cordova, Nebraska, it'll actually pull up a video from LiveStorm Media. And uh, it's actually me and a friend who actually got a little too close to that particular tornado. And power lines start to uh, come down around us as we're trying to get away from the outer circulation of the tornado. The tornado was very hard to see in the video because it's so large. When you have a tornado that large, you can't grasp what you're seeing because it's so big. Imagine having something that is a quarter mile in front of you that's a mile and a half
0: right, wide. Right.
2: You know, you just, you can't grasp it's even a tornado. So it's a huge circulation. Uh, we were just trying to get a better view of it. And... Um, yeah, so we realized the situation we were in quickly, and we got out of it.
0: So was
2: uh, wh- an exciting video.
0: So, how do you? When do you finally clue in that that's a tornado that you're looking at?
2: Um, uh, on that, if you if you go to watch the video on that one, I was watching a street sign that was in front of us and a series of telephone poles on the highway, and the um, this yellow street sign. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it um it disappeared, and it was only about 100 yards in front of me. It mm. just disappeared, and I was like, "Oh, that's not good!" And I screamed to my friend, "We need to get out of here!" And we turned around, and we weren't driving at that point. we were sitting still, observing what was going on, see what we need to do next. And when we saw the, I saw the street sign disappear. I said, "We need to go!" And we turned back and turned around to the south and and escaped. But as we're escaping, I look over my left shoulder, and there's a house, there's a farmstead right next to us, and I watched the roof peel off that house. Okay, uh, right well, behind us.
0: We're watching the video right you now. Can see the roof go right so, there. So you're pulled over here. We don't have any sound on it, obviously, and now and when you turn around, that's when you realize that it's a tornado that you're facing.
2: Oh, well, knew the tornado was there somewhere. So as we're pulling up, there you can see right, right,
0: right. But you didn't realize there's a color cloud
2: right there above us, and then we um, we saw the cumulonimbus cloud, and we thought it was going to stay just to our north and just pass from our left to right. But it was either expanding at that point in time, or it was it started to shift a little bit more southerly in its path. And um, but when we observed that we were too close, we got out. And then the rest of what we experienced around the time the telephone poles actually start falling as we're escaping south, that was actually the rear flank downdraft. That wasn't even actually the tornado that caused that. Uh, the winds we were in just very briefly to, at, the, uh, at about the time that we
1: okay. started to turn around.
0: Okay, we see the, tor- we see the, uh, we see the fangs bitch. snapping. Woo! We <laughs> see the power line snapping. Yep. That's a good time and that's right just there. A, that's just a downdraft. That's not the actual tornado. That's
2: that's the rear flank downdraft. That's correct. That's the winds that circulate around the tornado from the back of the supercell thunderstorm and, and wrap around the tornado. Those we call that the rear flank downdraft. And they can be very powerful, as you see in that video.
0: Jeez. So, Micah, I'm I'm not into all this tornado chasing. Why wouldn't the 1.6 mile wide tornado be the most violent?
2: Um, that one wasn't. That one was rated to EF three. Really, um, it was rated EF three was It was a strong tornado. It was definitely considered a strong tornado. Um, the the most violent tornado I'd ever seen. It's hard to say because we see a lot of tornadoes that are out in fields, and um, you know, Western Kansas, Eastern Colorado, out in the middle of nowhere, um, and they're they don't they don't hurt anything. They don't hit anything, so they don't get they don't get a rating, or they do get a rating. as very low end, even though the strong the, the they, they base it off of uh, damage. So you could have. You can have the world's most powerful tornado going through the middle of a field, and all it hits is some hay bales mm-hmm. and some barbed wire, and it gets an EF-1 rating because it's based off of damage. They may not even rate that tornado because it didn't even hit anything. I understand. Uh, the most violent tornado I've ever seen that was rated was uh, an was EF-4 tornado, which was on May 19, 2013, and that was the Shawnee, Oklahoma uh, EF-4. That was uh, that was the day before the Moore, Oklahoma EF-5 on May twentieth, 2013. Um, I didn't. I was out chasing the day of the More Oklahoma Tornado. I saw the boundary sitting over Oklahoma City, but there's a point where I'm just personally like, I don't want to chase, I don't chase an urban, I'm sorry, I don't chase the city areas or highly populated regions. I avoid them because it's dangerous. People will panic, they'll block roads, and then if you get yourself in a bad position, you can't escape. I always have an escape route anytime I chase, no matter if I'm close or far or away from the storm. And so I saw what was happening that day, and I stayed south and played storms further south of Oklahoma City. And got a tornado near Duncan, Oklahoma, on the day of uh, of the Moore tornado. But uh, it was it was the writing was on the board when there was going to be a significant tornado or a strong tornado go through Oklahoma City that day. Uh, about an hour before the storm happened, everyone was keeping their fingers crossed that it wouldn't happen. But then, unfortunately, did. So that was a that end of the end of uh, May in 2013 was violent. That was with Shawnee. That was Moore, Oklahoma, and that was also the El Reno tornado. Um, that was very famous. That was the now the world's largest road was two point six miles wide, Jeez. which was in El Reno, Oklahoma, on May thirty first, twenty thirteen. So 2. That point was six? A, that was 2.6 miles wide.
0: So what makes a what makes tornadoes wider than others? Like a two point. What was what was the one in El Reno? What was it rated? Two,
2: that was rated. It was initially rated a NEA five because the well, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was either one of the locally one of the universities, OU or Texas Tech. They had their I can't remember exactly what it was, they had their mobile radars on wheels and they had winds, they were measuring winds inside that tornado that were in the in the ballpark of uh, of EF five category winds. Uh, but the damage they actually found from the survey was only E F three. So but it was very large. So size doesn't always have everything to do with strength. I've seen very narrow what we call drill bit tornadoes. They're really small, narrow tornadoes, but they're very they're very powerful. They would hit your house, they would completely obliterate it. Um, and I've seen wide tornadoes that are just big, slow-moving, dusty tornadoes that aren't that, aren't that powerful. They're just very large. Um, the, a lot of the times, the width of them have a lot to do with uh, what we call the, the LCL, the lowest condensation level, is, the, is basically how low to the ground the cloud bases will be. So if you have your temperature, your dew point, if they're close together, say that it's 75 degrees outside, mm-hmm. you have a 70-degree dew point, you're, you're almost at the brink of having fog. You're five degrees away from having fog, so your clouds are going to be really low to the ground. And if you have a if you have enough instability and everything else comes together, you get a tornado develop. in those low condensation, um, low condensation level environments. You can get the the wider type tornadoes um, because it's so much easier for them to plant on the ground. Um, and that's why a lot of times you see on these on these bigger tornado days, uh, you get these larger tornadoes. Is because just like yesterday in the southeast uh, in Mississippi and Alabama and Louisiana, they had. Uh, significant tornadoes yesterday, but the the cloud bases were super low to the ground, so the tornadoes can get really wide. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of the that's one of the things that causes tornadoes to be wider is having that that really rich moisture and the temperatures being pretty close together. So,
1: I was at the Shawnee that, deal. That was a rough storm.
2: The Shawnee storm was incredible. Um, it was kind of an interesting day. Um, a lot of chasers. There was a stationary boundary uh, over southern kansas and a lot of chasers targeted like the wichita area and southern kansas and the day before i was looking over my forecast and i was thinking central Oklahoma around the oklahoma city area uh somewhere around that area just to the east somewhere just to the south not necessarily in the city area but somewhere around that area and um I, on the way up there i had some friends that were chasing i've chased with friends and stuff and and uh, they want to go to kansas and i was like no i think i'm gonna stay here in oklahoma and they're like oh no the, the stationary boundary we gotta, we gonna go up there and i was like no it's like i think it's gonna happen here and one of the models i like to use the forecast uh and uh, close uh, and see trends in the near future in the next you know looking at things you know 12 hours or within 12 hours up. To you know, two or three hours up to 12 hours out. is what I call the high-resolution rapid refresh, just the HER is what we call it. And that morning when I woke up, it was starting to pick up. That model was starting to pick up storms developing on the dry line further south in Oklahoma City. So my forecast that I already had in my head the day before was now starting to be validated by the HRRR. And all I had to do was, once the R said it, was to go, well, now i got to see with my own eyes if this actually happens. And my friends started continuing to go north further into Kansas, and then they decided about 30 minutes later to turn around and join me when they saw the, the thunderheads developing on the dry line just to the west of Oklahoma City. And then um, we ended up chasing three different supercells that day and saw three tornadoes from uh, two different supercells, and we saw the Kearney Oklahoma EF-3, and then the Shawnee Oklahoma EF-4 tornadoes, which Shawnee was the beast, and that one was uh, I trying to remember the width of that one. It was still pretty large. I think it was 1.2 miles wide. Both Carney and Shawnee, we both over a mile wide. That wiped the, so,
1: that wiped the mall out there. I'm it, sorry? That hit the mall, I think, at Shawnee that day.
2: No, uh, I believe so. We hmm. did, right after the tornado passed the area we observed it in, uh, we went and did a little bit of search and rescue. We saw that homes were being destroyed. They came across as a lake community right there on Bethel Acres. Yep. Um, and we went and did, uh, we were checking on people, make sure people were okay. Um so, luckily, everyone we encountered was okay. Everyone took shelter. So, but yeah, that was that was that tornado was on the ground for nearly thirty miles. That was a very disruptive tornado. And yeah. another more powerful one I saw was on uh, February. Uh, it was February tenth, two thousand nine, and that was actually the one of the most significant tornadoes in the in the history of Oklahoma for the month of February. Uh, was the Lone Grove, Oklahoma, EF four, and that was on the ground for nearly sixty miles.
1: Mm-hmm. So, explain explain to people they don't understand to the average person, they don't understand tornado chasing. They got their their, their volunteer firemen or whatever they call out or their local, and they go out and they watch the storms coming into them. They don't understand the touring and how many people do this. This is a big business in America. A huge business. And it's getting more and more popular every year, and it's getting more dangerous, I think, on the roads. To explain I'm to
2: sorry. You me- sound a little distant there. You a little far away. Okay. I'm
1: trouble here it's. They, I don't think people realize how big a business chasing is and and personally, I think the chasing's getting dangerous because there's more and more people doing. But explain to people how what, a day of chasing, what you go through in a day.
2: Um, it just really depends. how I mean, it's, it's a lot with the technology these days. Anyone can pick up their smartphone. They have a Smartphones are pretty incredible. You have a camera, you got a video camera, and you have your radar on one device. Anyone can almost go out locally and see something on the radar pop up and say, hey, let's go check this out. You know, they know, their, they know their local roads and stuff. But what we typically find on the bigger days, like especially in the Southern Plains of Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, if we if we see if we see the bigger days like a moderate risk or a high risk day, uh, or even even some of the more higher end enhanced risk days that we see, um, people will get out more. And so, like high we had a high risk day in Oklahoma last year, and we saw it was um, May twentieth. 2019, last year, we were sitting in southwestern Oklahoma down over by Mangum, just just to the north of office there, and it was everybody and their mother was out. It was it was a high-risk day. It was a huge day. And the roads, as far as you could see down the highways, was lined with chasers. But most of those people aren't chasers. A lot of them are locals. And they just they see the weather. They see it on the news. And they, they get out and they go take their family. I've literally seen people sitting in the front yard with lawn chairs cracking open cold ones while there's hail a baseball (laughs) side hail falling a quarter mile away from their (laughs) house but i will also say this people who live in the south here in 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 tornado alley uh they're very i think are a bit more educated to severe weather uh we're used to it we grew up with it um especially people in oklahoma they're very used to it um they're not scared of it they will they go out there and, and check it out um it is becoming more dangerous, though, because there are so many people on the roads, and that starts blocking our escape routes, and um, and it's just, you know, any time you get more people on the road, it's a more dangerous situation. That's the most dangerous part of chasing, is the number of people on the roads. Driving is the most dangerous part of chasing. Yeah. Uh, it's not the tornadoes, or the lightning, or the hail. We can avoid all that stuff. You know, we know where the hail is falling, we know the tornadoes develop, we can avoid all that, we can observe from a safe distance, but you can't, you can't, you can't, if you, can't you don't know if Joe Blow's going to drive through the you know blow through the stop sign unfortunately so that's the most dangerous part of chasing is, is the driving and other people so that's why personally me i like a little bit i like the more subtle marginal days in like colorado uh, and texas panhandle and uh you know and maybe up even north like montana and stuff you go out there and you chase and you don't see anybody you can literally chase a supercell phone and maybe see five other chasers on it the entire day i really like those because <laughs> you're not you know you're not you know it's not it's, it's more leisurely it's not as stressful so but it's, it's becoming a lot more popular a lot of people are are are, um, are, are dabbling into it but for the most part most people aren't going to drive 12 hours go to see a storm like I
0: do so. no <laughs> not 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 me either you need to uh, you, you need to tell Jeff on how to predict the hail, because it seems like every time he's out he gets popped in the head by a hailstone
1: well that's because you want to be around the hail, because you want to be in a uh, storm
0: oh well Eric says you can safely avoid it you can some days. I don't have the, don't have
1: the technology Eric has. I saw Eric sitting on the side of the road at Rule Sunday, mm-hmm. sitting with his wife on the back of the car, and I just left Rule because the hell was coming, and I leapfrogged about five miles up the road and set. and then the hell hit Rule, and I didn't get hit.
0: Jeff got popped mm-hmm. right in the face. I,
1: did get, I got popped in the chest. First time it's ever happened to me. And it the hail wasn't even there, and it was just a lone one wood caught me right on the titty, <laughs> and it wasn't a very big piece of hail; it was probably quarter size or something. But wood stung. I was like, "Some bitch."
2: <laughs> so that, that storm was. Uh, i noticed that too. It was throwing hail a long ways out ahead. Yes. Of where it should have been throwing hail. Yes. I, was, I was pretty impressed. I even told my wife that I was. We were sitting around rule, and I said, um, "We were just getting in the car. I was just, uh, I can I can visually see when I'm on the storm. I can visually see where everything's at." Um, but we were just getting in the car, started driving off, and hell started falling. I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this thing's chunking stones a long ways away from where, you know, where sh- typically where you shouldn't be having hell, we were having hell. So, yeah, the rogues, we call them rogue stones. They just, they're rebels. They well, just, they don't obey the rules. <laughs> Mother Nature doesn't have any rules. Well, I Jeff caught, got hit I with caught one.
1: one in the titty on it. Boy, when I First time ever. And I've been in some big ass hell. I got my windows blown out in Oak City a couple of years ago, and I was in softball size hell. I've always wondered. I've always wanted to see softball size hell. I don't really care if I see it again while I'm in it. That was one was enough.
2: Softball size hell's pretty crazy to see. It's huge, but yeah, you don't want to be in it. It'll, it'll destroy everything. You can't it's dri- life threatening. You get, you get hit with that, you're done. Yeah, you
1: can't yeah. drive, and, and that's the thing is, that well, will just drive out of danger. You can't when it's softball size hell. You can't go 70 miles an hour.
2: No. Uh-uh. No, it'll it'll blow through your windshield like a bullet.
0: Yeah. So why why do we have the E on the on the on this uh what is it the Fuji scale Fiji scale what is it what what's the E about? Because in Twister. The Fujita scale. In yeah yeah that in Twister they didn't have the E on there it was just an F five. Why have we added the E in in years later? Um.
2: So yeah, we had like you said we had the F we had this the regular F scale that's the Fujita scale. Now we have the enhanced Fujita scale. Ah okay. And the the enhanced Fujita scale just there was modifications made. To wind speeds and um, and to storm surveying, so they look at they're looking at um, engineering of structures a lot heavily more heavily now, and then we have a greater understanding um, of how wind interacts in a tornado to buildings and structures. So they made changes to it to try to give a more accurate representation of the wind speeds that are within a tornado.
0: So uh, some of these older tornadoes, like Jeff talks about the the Wichita Falls tornado quite a bit, it was an F four. Do do we mm-hmm. do we look back on some of these tornadoes and maybe either drop them down a classification or bump them up a classification based on some of the new information that we're figuring out about these storms?
2: Um, you don't really see that too terribly much. There there is a there is a uh, there's a guy who does a lot of like uh, tornado forensics and, and historical tornado data. He actually has some of the most incredible books I've ever read. It's just uh it's um. Goodness gracious! It's Thomas Grazula is his name, and he makes the books called Significant Tornadoes, and it goes from like the 1600s all the way to modern times. Is what he is what he does case studies on, and he will actually rate tornadoes based on the information that he could find at the time. So even though there there wasn't really enough scale back in the 1800s, right.
0: yeah,
2: they can they can go back and look at newspaper reports, and they can look at they can find photographs in old days, and they can see the type of structures that were that were built and some of the uh, reports that people were saying it happened to their homes or what happened to them, and they can kind of piece together what happened. Um, one of the, in fact, where I live here near Sherman, Texas, here north of Dallas, um, in the book uh, Significant Tornadoes, uh, Mr. Grazulas, says. And of all the tornadoes that he's written about in this particular book that he did, on this particular one, he did, he's written about four of them now. On that particular book, he said all the tornadoes in that book, he said he would put the Sherman Texas tornado as the most significant tornado he's written about. And that was in 1896, I believe, uh, when that tornado developed here in Sherman. And he rated, it a, he rated it a five because they had built a steel iron bridge that went across a creek uh, from one side of town to the other. It was massive, like four-lane solid steel structure that was going across the creek this bridge that tornado ripped it out of the ground mangled it and threw it a quarter mile away
0: Ooh, so
2: based, just based off of that and the tornado was only 300 yards wide
0: so and it just
2: based off that alone
0: <laughs> that much of a punch
2: yeah that much of a punch just on that fact alone he was able to say that's pretty crazy that that happened and yeah. the, the other it also scoured earth and people uh, some unfortunately some people died in that tornado and And some people were thrown a long ways away from where their homes were, Mm. and so based on all those little pieces of information, he was able to rate it uh, a five. Uh, There's pretty good uh, records on that on that tornado, Um, but based on uh, accounts from people who observed it, um, southwest of Sherman, back towards Pilot Point, and then moving across across Sherman, and it actually entered into uh, it actually um, uh, roped out and dissipated just north of Sherman.
0: So then it ended up
2: another tornado just to the northeast of that, and that one went into Oklahoma and did more damage in the the town of Kemp. So that was a significant tornado day back in the 1800s. That was very well documented.
1: You know, that's what's impressive about the tornado that hit Moore was the mangled bridge on the Canadian River. And I thought that's that's that was well documented. That's when it mangles steel like that. Because I grew up in Wichita Falls and I was there on April 10th, and I'll never forget it. And it was catastrophic, killed 70 people in town and went from one end of town to the other, but it was, to me, the Wichita Falls tornado and the Moore tornadoes are a lot alike. One side of town goes completely through them, but that mangled bridge on the Canadian River just really shows people how strong a damn tornado can be.
0: It's still fucked up, too, isn't it?
1: I think they finally cleared it and cut it up now, but it used to be.
2: Now, Aaron, in, uh, May, May but, 25th, 2016, there was a tornado that developed in, in uh, Kansas, uh, just north of I-70, and it was over there in the uh, in the Chapman Abilene area, just to the north of Salina. That storm um, was rated a EF four. Some people argue that it should have been a five. That trail was on the ground for ninety minutes, an hour and a half. That tornado was on the ground. But one thing that was really significant they, was the damage indicator, which they think it should have been a five. Was it went over a, it went over railroad tracks, and it didn't just go over railroad tracks. It grabbed the rails off the railroad tracks, Whoa. off the railroad bed. Grab the rail. You're talking about something that's only a few inches tall,
0: right? You right. have to
2: have some really strong winds at the surface to grab it. It grabbed and pulled the rails off and twisted them and mangled them. That's crazy. Railroad. That is insane. That only got rated Eo go four. But, so that one, that one's a touchy. That's a touchy one for some people because of what it did to the railroad tracks.
1: So someone that's wanting to go on a tour with you, explain to them how it starts. Your day starts. Walk go through a typical day on a chase with if, as a guest. What they would expect.
2: All right. So. Um, I'll start at the very beginning. I'll just kind of say like a perfect scenario. Um, when people arrive on their arrival day, um we do an orientation, we cover safety, we have a procedure on how to get in and out of the van. I go over um, like a crash course on on like entry level meteorology. So people have an understanding what they're saying, and actually, this what I do is I get people's feet planted to the ground. I don't like having people come out with the expectations. they're gonna go on something that's like the movie Twister. And they're just going to see tornado after tornado. It's going to be this huge, exciting, crazy rush, like, the entire seven days. I plant their feet on the ground. I give them the science how this all works. So they have realistic expectations. Um, so I, I covered all that. And then the next day, hopefully it's a chase day, we'll, we'll, we'll depart. Um, a prime example of this was uh, Tour 2 last year. Um, we left Oklahoma City. Five and a half hours later to see more Texas, we saw a tornado. So, um, basically covered that we did the the day before we had our dinner we got to meet everybody had a couple drinks you know celebrating the start of our our, our, the new vacation um did the orientation got our sleep we did our forecast that evening we woke up the next day met everyone downstairs loaded up the van we um i told everyone our target area explained why we were going down there there was a there was an outflow boundary from overnight storms that were sitting across the the seymour area and i was like well we'll good to see more we'll grab something to eat we we'll gas up real quick, and we should be able to get on our storm soon after. And that's exactly how it played out. Uh, five and a half hours in the day, we saw the first tornado. Uh, and then we chased two other supercells after that. Um, and then after that, we went and celebrated. We have a tradition uh, at Tornado Expeditions. Anytime we see a tornado, we go eat steak. Ah. So we were eating steak that evening in Wichita Falls at the Texas Roadhouse. So. Nice. <laughs> We were, we were happy about that. We eat eating steak for dinner. We had a good day. So
0: <laughs> what's the most? That's, what's,
2: what's, that's kind of just a basic rundown. And that's like, that's the perfect day. Not every day is like that. Some, some days you got to work for the tornadoes a little bit more. You're going to have to be on storms for several hours and pick the right storm. That was just a perfect day. Wake up, get out there, eat lunch, drive 10 miles south, boom, see three tornadoes that afternoon. So, um, you know, then there's like, like last year we had another day. Uh, I was on tour seven. We were chasing in southwest Texas, kind of like the San Angelo area. We got a tornado by Eden, um, south of their, like, Bollinger area. Got a tornado southwest of Eden. But the next couple of days, there wasn't going to be anything to chase that far south. So we had to literally drive from Texas, from San Angelo, all the way to Montana. Ooh. So we used the next two days to drive from Texas to Montana so we could stay in the super weather. If we didn't do that, our tour would have been done. We, right. still had, we still had five more days to go. So... We did that haul up there, and we chased for the you know we chased the remainder of that tour until so we drove to, to Montana. Hey, so that was a haul.
1: <laughs> have you ever had a guest that was a problem?
2: Um, you know, most, I'm gonna I'll be I'm honest about this. Everyone who comes out is awesome, awesome. But there's always going to be a bad apple somewhere. Um, um, I have some guests. I think they come out with expectations of how it's going to be, and it's not. And they're not necessarily a bad guest. They just I think they get out there and they they. It's not what they expected. They don't expect the amount of driving that we're going to do. I think that the couple of people that I've had that didn't really enjoy it was because the amount of driving we did was so much. Um, on an average tour, um, average tour we usually do about twenty five hundred miles in seven days. Um, well, the record we've done, we've done forty six hundred miles in ten days, was our record. Jeez. So an insane amount of driving. Not everybody can handle that. So
0: that's um, an, that's a new oil, that's an oil change in a week.
2: Yes, yes, Uh, we actually, uh, for every tour, we did the vans, go into the shop and get full inspections and oil changes and prior rotations, the whole nine yards to get started over fresh for the next one, so.
1: That's smart. Have have you had an expert with you? Because I know, being in the hunting business a long time, you always get the expert.
2: Oh, my guiding duck hunts, too. I I get them as well. (laughs) So do you
1: have a tornado chasing guy? Do you get one of them every once in a while that knows more than he, he thinks he knows more than he really does?
2: You know, I I have not had anyone like that. I have not had anyone like that. Um, Everyone's always coming out with open ears, and some people don't care about the science. They just want to see it. They want to go out and just want to see the tornado. They don't care about how, how we get it, or, you know, they don't care about the science behind it. They're just there to see it. They want to take a picture of it. They can show their friends that they saw a tornado. And that's cool. Everyone comes out for different reasons, just like duck hunts. People come out for different reasons. Some people don't care about killing birds. They just want to go out and spend time with their dad or or their brother or their best friend. And the storm is the same way. I get people that come out and just want to spend time with their family. They're doing something cool together. Uh, they don't care if they see a tornado or not. They want to see one, of course. But if they don't, not the end of the world. Um, and then I have people, if they don't see a tornado, it's going to be the end of the world for them. They just they won't be happy unless they see one. Um, and sometimes we see tornadoes. Not every tornado you see is going to be photogenic. The photogenic tornadoes that are very pretty, that just look good on the pictures, that you can obviously tell is a tornado. Those are pretty rare tornadoes. Um most tornadoes are gonna to be kind of usually obscured by rain, they're gonna be short lived. So I've seen nearly two hundred and fifty tornadoes in my life. And I can put I could and most of those tornadoes are gonna to be not of the photogenic variety. Um, I would say probably just maybe around half of that is gonna be or just under half will be the photogenic variety where you know you, you can set up a tripod, do nice pictures of video, and you can clearly see this beautiful tornado. Those are the type of tornadoes people come out and expect to see. Right. They think all tornadoes are like that. So they may go on a tour and see, they may see three or four tornadoes, but they're they're weak tornadoes, they're short-lived, they're not what they expected. So they're, they might be a little bit disappointed they didn't see the big, powerful, photogenic tornado. Um, I had a tour last year. During that tour, we saw 14 tornadoes in 10 days. So we saw, And if some guests came in a day early, they got a bonus day, and we chased it on the arrival day for them. And I spent a day before the arrival. They came in a day before the arrival day. They got a bonus day. And uh, if, they were, if any guests were on that day and then chased the residents, where they got 19 tornadoes. And, and, yeah, 19 tornadoes during that time. Um, but one of the guests said, the last day we got the cherry on top. We were in Waldo, Kansas, and we saw an amazing supercell. A lot of people that day went towards Topeka and Lawrence and eastern Kansas and were chasing out there. But there was a big boundary scene there. And it was really messy looking. There's a lot of flooding going on out there. there. was a lot of flooding last year everywhere. It was really insane, and it made chasing kind of sketchy in some places. So I didn't want to chase out east. I wasn't comfortable with it. I wanted to stay. I wanted. I saw an area that day when I woke up. I always look at surface analysis and um, always doing surface plots and and seeing, you know, what the warm fronts and low pressure areas and dry lines are going to set up at. And I looked at that the morning and I looked at satellite and I told my storm my guide with me, my guide Adam. I said Kansas is going to throw a troll today. And I say a troll. That means there's going to be a tornado in a place no one's going to expect. Everyone's got their attention over here. There's something really crazy going on over here. No one's going to look something to totally overlooked. I said that's what we're going to watch for today, and that's what happened. And that afternoon we got on a really we got on a long-lived tornado. It was on the ground for almost 40 minutes. We got a significant tornado. We didn't see another chaser while we were out there, but the significant tornado, but it produced the most photo one of the best tornadoes of 2019. Developed right in front of us. We watched the entire life cycle without ever moving. It was perfect. It was the day as a chaser we all dream of, and the guest. One of the guests told me after dinner. We, of course, we eating steak after dinner. He said, "He goes, um, he goes. I was kind of disappointed in all the tornadoes we saw up until this one. He goes, this one's great. And <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I even I told him too. I was like, you know, I've been chasing. I've been doing this for a long time. I was like tornadoes like this only happen like every couple of years, maybe every couple three years. And you have to be lucky enough to even be there to see it. So, <laughs> so, oh. um, but you know, I just I was shocked. You know, someone who uh, travel so far to come do this, and they see that many tornadoes during that week, and they said none of them did it for them until that one.
0: That's crazy. It didn't
2: really disappoint me or anything, but it was just like, that's I a- get excited over I get excited over every tornado that I see, because I understand the amount of work I have to put in to build to sea tornadoes. I've chased for three years before I saw my first tornado. That, that's
1: an asshole comment on his part. It is. <laughs> I mean, that's, hey let's man. face it. That's like a guy getting onto you because you shot a limit too fast. I mean, it just... <laughs> You got to. I would be wore the hell out because I when I go t- when we when we chase the next day I feel like I've got a hangover from all the adrenaline, the ups and downs and shit, mm. and and that's it, it fires me up. Which to me I I enjoy chasing more than I do the hunting end of it. I, I it's so much fun, and but people don't realize how hard it is. Or and I use guys like you and I check on Reed and keep up with people that know what they're doing that are professionals. And I try to rob information off of them, so I have an idea where to be at. But mm. man, I tell you what, I, I get so it's so much fun, but it is a lot of work. And people go with me a lot of times the first time, and if you don't see a tornado like you said, they're disappointed. I'm like, guys, you know, what a cool storm we got to watch. Hell, I mean, it's green skies, it's beautiful, and the tornado is just the ble- the cherry on top for me. But, see,
2: that's I explain on the orientation when I when I have to sit down with everybody and I do the orientation. As I explained to them, there's usually an average of 12, 11 to 1,200 tornadoes a year in the United States. The United States is huge. The lower 48 is where we get a majority of our tornadoes. The tornadoes occur in California and Florida and, of course, the southeast. Then we have we have the Hoosier Valley up there in like Indiana, Ohio, western Pennsylvania, Michigan. You know We have Illinois, the Midwest. And then we also have, you know, uh, we got the Northern Plains. And then the, the front ranges of New Mexico, Colorado, and Wyoming get their fair share of tornadoes. So it's a very huge area. And then you so you have a you have eleven to twelve hundred tornadoes, they're in the entire lower forty eight. And then you have to cut that down to actual chaseable areas. Now we're just looking at areas where we can actually chase wave visibility. Now we're now we're taking all the tornadoes out of everything pretty much east of the Mississippi River. We're not going to chase any of those areas. Yeah. And then we're not definitely not going to you know, California gets a handful of tornadoes a year. So anything west of the Rockies, you can throw that out. So now we're just focusing on just the tornadoes that occur in Tornado Alley. Now we're looking at maybe, you know, Five to eight hundred tornadoes, you know, depending on the year. Some years you don't even get that. Maybe it's like 2017 or 2018. You're not going to get that. So, last 2018 was a very hard year. Um, so, now you, now you cut your accounts, you know, you're cutting your accounts down in half. And now the average tornado lasts less than five minutes. Lasts less than five minutes. Now you have something you have seven, five to seven hundred of in just, a, in just the several states in the, tor- in the alley in the Great Plains that last less than five minutes. Now you, have to, now you have to find, you have to forecast and, and figure out where those friends are going to be and then be there at the exact same time they're going to happen.
0: Yeah.
2: It's like finding a needle in a haystack.
0: <laughs> it's difficult. It sounds, so, it sounds so, very difficult.
2: It's very difficult. It, 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 there's, uh, it, it's, it's forecasting is, you know, I, I tell people, like, forecasting is like, is like a bread recipe. Or, or like, I call it convective cookies, is what I call it convective mm-hmm. cookies. It's like baking. You, you have all these ingredients you're looking for, okay? And you have different varieties or amounts or, or potencies of each one of these ingredients. As long as the result is the same, that you're getting, you know, you're getting something, you're getting, you know, like there's, there's, there's hundreds of different types of bread out there, but it's all bread still. So you, you, you have different ingredients for all these. Storms all have the same basic ingredients, but you have different variables. of You have to be able to recognize the variability and all that. So you're looking at moisture, shear, lift, and instability you are looking at those four things and then in those four things you have subcategories within all that as well and now you have to piece together an overlap where all that comes together and forecast that and down to a particular region and then you have to travel there and be there in time to make sure that you witness if it even happens
0: right so so that's for f- that's what we look
2: for so there's thousands of different configurations that we look for when we're, when we're forecasting literally because no two severe weather setups are the same
0: so what where Specifically, where is Tornado Alley? Is it just the the plain states, basically? For those that don't know,
2: um, I'll, I'll get I'll get pretty specific on this. Like, I would say majority of your tornadoes in Tornado Alley are going to be north of I twenty through Texas. But we'll say we'll go from we'll go from Louisiana Texas border straight across I twenty over to Midland. All right, and then we'll say um, then we'll go up to like um, Carlsbad, New Mexico, okay. and we'll go straight up to Denver and from Denver we'll go all the way to Billings and Great Falls Montana and then from there we'll go straight due east over back towards Grand Forks North Dakota and then we'll go down to Minneapolis Minnesota mm-hmm. then we'll go down to Cedar Rapids back over to just to the southwest of Chicago and then we'll pretty much follow the river down to the down to like the southern tip of Illinois and then get to the Missouri border and then Join back to Shreveport. that area there. So that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So that basically that's basically Everything alley. along, yeah, that's right. Everything east of the Rockies, along the Front Ranges of Montana, down through New Mexico, back to the east, basically along the um, the Mississippi River mm-hmm. and all that. So, and of course, there's different alleys at Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Tennessee. You know, they get their they get their fair share of super weather early in the year. Right. You know, February, March, April. And then later in the season, we start seeing it shift further west, back into the, the big tornado alley.
1: You know, uh, it's like yesterday. People, people were like, there wasn't a lot of chasers yesterday, and people, why didn't y'all chase yesterday? Why didn't you go? They don't. People don't realize. Reed, I saw Reed apologize to all his followers because he didn't, he took a wrong road or something. But you can't. When them trees are there, it's hard to get around, and you can't see nothing.
2: There is it's almost impossible to chase. I don't. I'm not going to bash anyone who chases out there. I, people can chase wherever they like. That's it's our free country. We're welcome to go wherever we want. our highway. We pay for our highways and roads. You know, if you want to chase, you know, wherever you want, go chase. Um, I personally don't like chasing there. Uh, the last time I chased in the in the trees was in 2010, and I said I'll never do it again. I missed a tornado by a mile. I was a mile from it. I never saw it because the trees were in the way. Um, it was in South. It was over by uh, Broken, Bow, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I never never saw that thing. Never saw it. And it was a frustrating chase. And uh over there in Mississippi, Alabama, there's a little tiny area in the Delta in eastern Louisiana and western Mississippi. You have the Delta there. And you can if you get lucky, you get storms that cross there, you can get great news just like you're in the plains. Uh, it looks a, looks a lot like the same as it does in Haskell and Knox City, just get rid of the get trade it for black land instead of the the, the red clay. <laughs> and um that area's chaseable but but as a whole, that's 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 you know that's that's not going to be every time. But those areas are just full of hills and trees. You're literally driving down tunnels of trees. You yeah. can't see. Yep. Um, it's just frustrating because especially like yesterday, you have storms that are moving 55 to 80 miles an hour. So and then you know those storms don't go over the roads. They they just go, they're free to go wherever they want. And you're having to follow a road that may not exactly follow the storm. So the storms already got an edge on you. It's going to smoke you. And then you have to. You know, then you have to find a spot in the trees where you can see, and meet up with the storm at the same time. It's almost impossible. So, but people do get it done. It's just
0: very there difficult. Was, there was
2: lots of chasers out yesterday. I don't. There was probably I don't know how many were out, but there was a ton of them. And I've only seen pictures of tornadoes from maybe two or three guys yep. from everyone that was out yesterday. So it was a hard it day. Planes like Kansas. Everybody would have pictures. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> to go over what how, what's it cost to go on a tour?
2: Um, I. I, I do day tours, which uh, I'm very picky about when I run the day tours. And that's basically, like, people who are local that maybe do not have the time to go on a longer vacation tour. Um, those I do for $275 per, uh, per day. I have to be very confident in the forecast, though. I'm going to make sure we're going to see something really good uh, for me to run those. So I really run, like, some years I don't even run them. So I would say usually on average I run one or two a year on the day tours. But my vacation tours that are my most popular, uh, I book full on them every year. Uh, it's very – if you don't book about – if you don't book a year out, it's very hard to get a seat on them. Um, those start at um, 2400 dollars for a six day tour, and the ten day tours go up to about thirty seven hundred dollars. And, and do they include every they know. include everything but meals and beverages.
1: Okay, so you it, you you provide them hotels.
2: Yep, hotels are provided. Uh, they get. I have Wi-Fi, I have unlimited Wi-Fi in the van, so a lot of my international guests, they come over, so their ca- their obviously their, their phones won't work, so they're still able to get on, their, on the Internet in the van. Uh, that's provided to them. Everyone gets a T-shirt. Um, um, what else? I give a highlight video, so I'll, throughout the entire tour, all the tours I do, I'm filming and f- photographing everything, and I put together a big highlight video. The highlight video I put together this year was almost an hour long. So it's all the tornadoes that we saw, the different storms, all the funny moments, the bloopers, all that stuff was tied in there, so they have a, a keepsake. Uh, they can keep washing over and over again of the of the year that they had. Um, so that's pretty much they have everything that's included, and um, yeah, it's fun. It's it's a great time. It's a tour T-shirt too. Everyone gets a T-shirt.
1: You ever had a, you <laughs> ever had problem, t-shirt. You ever had a problem getting hotel rooms somewhere in the middle of nowhere?
2: Um, you know I've been pretty fortunate. Was, the only time I've really stressed about it was last year. We were in, I was on tour five. We were in Hobbs, New Mexico, and I was I actually booked my rooms. In, um, in Lubbock, and I was going to drive from Hobbs to Lubbock to get ready for the storms the next day, and um, we had really significant rain, and the town of Hobbs flooded, and then there was reports that the roads getting to Lubbock were flooded over, so I didn't have a way to get there, so I had to try to find rooms in Hobbs, and almost everything was full, and luckily I was able to find a place. It was a bit over my budget, but I sometimes you got to, you know... You've got to make things happen so i had to i had to get the room so everyone could have a good night's sleep yeah so
0: what's the bathroom policy in the van are we taking bathroom breaks or is this like hey we got to get cuz i i, I got to take a piss when i got to take a piss so what's what's the <laughs> what's the policy you
2: know we like you heard we drove from texas to montana so yeah. we the car a lot yeah. so but yeah i mean people need to go we stop um uh, i try to i strategically try to plan everything to where you know we breakfast when we wake up or after breakfast we meet up Then we leave and then we drive before we're going to go, or we have lunch along the way. Uh, a lot of times, if, you know, we'll eat once we arrive in our target area. Um, but along the way, before I know stuff's going to get really intense, I'll say, you know, everyone needs bath and breaks. Always asking before things get going to make sure. And then, you know, during the chase, sometimes we're chasing six, seven, eight hours. Right. You know, that's a good day if you're chasing that much. A lot of times you're doing, you know, 90% driving, 10% chasing. But some days are big days you chase all day. And you don't get too much time to stop. And then, especially on, it's really hard on the girls. When the girls come out, they, a lot of them aren't comfortable just going on the side of the road like us guys are. Sure. So, they, they want that bathroom break. <laughs> and so, um, you know, at the end of the chase, they'll go, oh, I'm dying. I need a bathroom now. And I'll make sure I, the first place that we can find, I stop for. It. But at that time, it was like, oh, my bladder's about to explode. And I don't mean to do that to people, but, you know, it it's sometimes part of it. So, but no, but that, that's, that doesn't happen very often, but, um, yeah, we try to do as many bathroom races as we can while they're available.
0: <laughs> so what's what's the most what's the most amount of tornadoes that you've seen in one day?
2: All right, that would be April 14, thousand twelve, and I saw seventeen tornadoes that day across northwest Oklahoma and southern Kansas. Hey, that was that the was, uh,
1: the double tornado at Cherokee, wasn't it?
2: Yes, that was the double tornado. There was actually there was actually twins on the ground three separate times that day, and the Cherokee twins were the second that was the second time there was twins that day. Yeah, it was the Cherokee. You were there too, weren't yeah, you?
1: Yeah, yep, we were there that day. I, and we only yep. saw 12, or not 12, we saw eight tornadoes that day. That's what we saw. We saw Anything eight. you
2: can see, one tornado is good. Eight tornadoes is amazing.
1: Oh, that was the best day ever, but we saw the twins. We followed them forever. It was great.
2: The one that, the second twin that developed to the north of Cherokee and ended up crossing the highway there, north of Cherokee, uh, we got within a quarter mile of that one. That was a fun one. It was this nice, slow moving. Uh, slow-moving elephant trunk that just, just moseyed right on by in front of us. Then the RFD winds were so strong, I had my door cracked on my car, and uh, the winds grabbed the door open and ripped it open and opened it so hard that it, it bent my tender. No, <laughs> I that, couldn't
1: shut my door. You know, that was that
0: was my nickname back in high school and college, elephant trunk.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> Shit.
0: <laughs> hey, uh, oh, my goodness. before we let you go, have you seen any cows in these tornadoes like you saw on Twister, or is that all made up?
2: No, no, it was, um, it was a chaser, Did Reed in Wyoming, I was in Atlanta, it was, uh, I think it was in 2018, yeah, Reed got a, Reed Timmer got a tornado in Wyoming, and it was actually picking up cows, and he has video of it, and then another chaser, uh, he lives in Lubbock or think but David Drummond, um, he got video of a tornado uh, going through a pasture, I don't remember actually hitting the cows, but the cows were running away from it. And it was pretty pretty fun to watch.
0: <laughs> so, how <laughs> but, how close is too close? Like, how you said a quarter mile, you got to want to the to the twins, I believe. How is that is that like as far as you're is that as close as you're going to get a quarter mile, or will you push it even more if you know it's moving safely it just away? It depends.
2: Now, I I, I I have two different chase styles. I I, have, I call it my tour chasing because you know people when they come out on tour, these folks haven't most folks haven't seen tornadoes. To see a tornado from a mile away or two miles away when you're on tour is amazing. That's that's close for people that have never seen one before. Yeah. Now, there's my own – And that's how I chase on tour. I keep everything distant. Like, the, for example, when I thought, when you guys watched the video earlier of the one in Cordova, Nebraska, I would never, ever do that on tour. I would never put my guests in that position. I would never get that close to a tornado with my guests, especially on what we call a high-precipitation supercell where you cannot see the tornado very well. I always stay very far away from those storms, because so they are very dangerous, very erratic. And so, when I'm on tour, I stay away from those type of storms. We'll still observe them from a safe distance, Mm. but we're not ever going to put ourselves in any danger. Now, my own personal style of chasing, when I'm not on tour, I like to get very close. In fact, one of my friends tagged me on a Facebook post the other day uh, of a guy looking straight up at the... He's laying on the ground flat, looking straight up with a huge smile on his face, and he tagged me. He goes, this is what it's like when I'm storm chasing with Eric Burns. (laughs) 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 So... Um, when, I like to get really close. when I'm out with when I'm with guests, I like to get close. Um, you know, I, I, it's okay if I put myself in danger, but um, too close. I mean, if you're if you're getting hit by debris, you're too close. If you're not, then you're probably okay. <laughs> but it's just a, every single storm is different. The most important thing when you're getting close to a tornado is. Is one of the behavior of the storm? You have to observe it. Radar is not going to tell you what the storms doing. Right. When you look at radar, radar data is already three to five minutes old. Yeah, you're looking at the storm in the past. You got storms change within seconds, very quickly. Um, so, road networks are extremely important. I like chasing. Like if I'm out there, like Twin Lake, Western Kansas, you got great gridded road networks. It's awesome to get close. Because you always have escape routes typically. Right. And always wanna make sure you always wanna make sure you have an escape route. You wanna know which way the tornado is moving and you never approach it quickly. Always try to be a little bit ahead of it and watch it very closely and see if you need to go you know, see which way or the other you need to go. Uh, the way we like uh, the way that you when you're getting close to tornadoes is if the tornado is getting bigger, you pick an object in the foreground. Say it's a house or a telephone pole or a fence, whatever it may be, you're gonna keep an eye on that object and the tornado at the same time. If the if the tornado is moving Towards that object that you picked, and it's going towards and it's moving towards it, then you know that the tornado is moving away from you. But if it's not, and the and the tornado is just getting bigger or wider, and it's not getting any closer to that object, it's just filling it in. Then you know it's getting it's moving towards you, and you got to move. Um, so, but you you watch these extreme videos like uh, people get extremely close to tornadoes. You have to have a slow moving tornado. You have to have a photo, a more photogenic or more open, more visible tornado that you can see, and. Um, and you have to have the right roads. If you don't have all that, the stars really have to align to get very close. If right. you, if you don't if one of those if one of the if one of the links aren't in the chain to make it work, then it's dangerous to do, and you get yourself in really big trouble. So everything has got to be just perfect
1: for that to happen.
0: But well, you got when it does happen.
1: It's very special.
0: You got balls like grapefruit. My hats off to you, bud. Give so.
1: everybody your website real quick, Eric. Before we get out of here, uh, my website is uh,
2: tornadicexpeditions.com. dot uh, yeah, I'm just yeah, tornaticexpeditions.com. Also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash tornatic tours. Um, that's also my Facebook page. You give it a life there. I usually update uh, on there sometimes pretty regularly. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You guys can always call me on my phone number, 214 673 1680. I can answer your calls for um, if you have any more questions about storm chasing. And um, yeah, check out the website. A lot of cool pictures and stuff in there. And if you're not interested in tours, a lot of. Uh, a lot of educational stuff on there as well. You can read about our past accounts and, and learn a little bit about storms as well. So, lots of lots of uh, storm what we call storm porn on there. Lots of pretty pictures. So okay. even if like Jeff said, if you don't get a super if you don't get a tornado, the super self storms themselves are very incredible to see. And a lot of times the storms themselves are more impressive than some of the tornadoes
1: that you see with them. That's so. right. Well, hey, we appreciate, you. Incredible. we appreciate you being on here, Eric. Uh, thank you. Hey, thank you guys for having me. God bless you, and congratulations on that God new baby, all right? We'll call you, oh, ele-
0: thank you. We'll call you, you Elephant Trunk from now on.
1: All right. <laughs> Sounds good.
0: See you, bud. All
1: right, thank you, sir. Whew. He is a very, very, very good forecaster. He told me he was at Throckmorton the other day when nobody thought there was going to be a tornado, and he was a tornado, he was on it. Saturday, he told me on Friday, he said, Haskell to Seymour. And I said, What time? He said four ish. He texted me at four oh three. So it's pretty close, wasn't it? And and we were in Haskell.
0: It was in Rule though, wasn't it? it well, it's,
1: never mind, Andy. It's ten miles east of there or well, west of there. Not yes. to Seymour. The the line was gonna be he thought would be a to big Haskell storm. To would be the big storm area, and that was the area. It was south of Seymour, but it was from Throckmorton to Haskell to in meteorologically terms, he was damn it was a bullseye. He was close. He was bullseye. Oh we were at four oh three, we were setting at the three eighty outside of Haskell. What we tony, four miles away, and that some bitch was roaring. And then they put Haskell on a tornado warning. Pretty good. He's a he's a very, very good forecaster. Very good. He, he does a good job. I cheat off of him a lot. He gives me a lot of advice. And that's why I've seen a lot of tornadoes that I've seen.
0: Sounds very knowledgeable.
1: He is a very knowledgeable guy. And a lot he's a, he's a, it's a very interesting guy. But anybody that wants to do weather and stuff, I would recommend Eric for a tour.
0: Anyways, that's really all I got. Good deal. But speaking of bathroom breaks, I gotta go take a piss.
1: About me too.